I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I feel like Whoppers are the jelly beans of the chocolate world. No. God damn! Yeah, put that in your ear. The majority of the population isn't really looking for a jelly bean or a Whopper. It's like you acquire it. In fact, I think the only thing worse than a Whopper... Not to say that they're terrible, because I know that you love them. First of all, yeah, they are delightful. Okay, but those fucking chocolate Easter eggs you get on Easter that are like hard shell around it. Ew. And the hard, oh, they're like the speckled ones. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the hard shell is like the, way like, too thick. Candy coated. Yeah. Because we're all Easter spoiled eggs. with like the perfect candy coating of an M&M. Yeah. But also I would completely disagree because you're sitting over here like an Almond Joys and Mounds and that's just oh, Satan's food. Those are so good. No, no, they're not. That's just because you don't like coconut though. Or nuts. That's <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. There it is again, that twelve year old humor. <laughs> I can't help it. But they're almonds. Those are good nuts. I mean solid nut. I'll eat an almond, but I don't want an almond in my candy. Oh, I'll fucking eat an almond in my candy. You know what's better than almonds though? Macadamia nuts? No, I fucking hate macadamia nuts. Get out what? of here with that. I have chocolate covered macadamia nuts on my desk right now and they're so good. From Hawaii? The ones yes, that everybody course. always brings from back Hawaii. from Hawaii and they taste like fucking plastic. No, they don't. They're actually pretty good. I think I just really don't like macadamia nuts. Apparently. I also like cashews. <laughs> cashews? I don't like cashews either. You don't like cashews? They you taste don't like, like, any, like the sweet nuts. They taste like oil. Sweet? They're sweet nuts? I don't know. It tastes sweet to me, doesn't it? Mm, you know what I love is pecans. That's <laughs> solid nut. Am I just like a 90-year-old woman? <laughs> I'm like, give me a bag of pecans and walnuts yeah, and I'm your, good to go. pecan pies. Oh, I fucking love pecan pie. I've never been a fan of pecan pie. Well, that's because you're a loser and you like Whoppers. <laughs> oh, God. Make sure you guys stick around for the end of the episode, too, because we are going to announce the winner of the Creepy Cray Contest. Creepy Cray. And you don't want to miss that. And thank you all for participating and leaving reviews. You guys are fucking awesome. Yeah, you are. All right. Give me your goddamn. Let's hear it. It's those goddamn fires, man. Oh, shit. Those are real. Those are scary. Those are super scary. Have you seen the... Um, yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Good I talk. Have. I have. I've seen the videos of the people like driving out of it, and I've seen the video of the guy finding his friends. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, it's awful. I They're skeletons. It. <gasps> it was really bad. Oh my god! It was I didn't so sad hear about this. Yeah, I don't want to watch that. Yeah, I mean, I knew what I was getting into when you did when it. I clicked it. Did he record it? Yeah, he oh. he he recorded it, and he was like, he went up to a car, and he's like, "This is my friend. My friend is cripple." And his oh. mom was driving him out, and he called them to, like, you guys need to evacuate. And he said that his the mom was like, oh, I have to put on my makeup first. Oh, no. Like, she didn't know that it was going to no. hit that fast. Nobody knew, because there were, like, four cars there. I mean, it wasn't just that. Oh, but my God. Then he, like, videoed inside the cars, and there was his friend as a skeleton and oh my his mom just to recap for listeners if they don't know all of fucking california is on fire and some people are dying even trying to escape from the fire in their cars because they get There's overtaken like 58 people that are confirmed dead right now I know. like Isn't at this point crazy yeah also this is recorded two weeks out so yeah. this might hopefully have been all contained by now yeah, that's fucking awful. When I heard that people were dying trying to escape in their car, I was like, dear God, that's when you're supposed to be safe. Like, yeah. oh, the firefighters will keep the fire back. Yeah. Ugh. I've seen too many videos of, like, people driving on the freeway where it's, like, it hopped over the freeway. Yeah. So the freeway is technically clear, but it's on fire on both sides of them. Yeah. That's so fucking scary. I was going to ask if you saw the one where the helicopter comes and drops the water while people, like, cars are, the the freeway is, like, packed. Yeah. And the fire is right there, and the, like, helicopter comes and drops the water right on the freeway, basically, to keep it from, like, jumping over. God. How scary. That'd be terrifying. And it's like, you know those cars got just drenched then. Yeah. And you don't really know that's coming. Like, because fires are really loud, too. Or you don't know what they're doing, either. Yeah. Fuck, the helicopter's close. (laughs) Yeah, you might have heard the helicopter. And then your car gets dumped on with water. That's terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, that's... I've been purposefully and, like, selfishly not digging too much into that because it's so sad. I haven't dug too much. Well, I've looked at a lot of pictures. Yeah, you watched a video. You dug. I I did dig a bit. I watched a couple videos. They're real scary. Yeah, I don't want to put that in my head. My other one 
is that I burned my coffee <laughs> just now. And I didn't know that that was possible. <laughs> that is a like, travesty. You just press a button, though. Did you leave it on for a long time? It No, not really. Like, maybe 10 minutes, but I leave it on all the time. I leave it on until it turns off, and I continually get, like, coffee or cups from it. Yeah. So I don't know how, like, I don't know why it's burned. I didn't know that you could burn it either until my dad told me. And I always thought he was crazy, but you're kind of confirming it. Yeah. Um, well, Stacy, what are your goddamns? Um, or just one. I yeah, mean, I just you have don't one. have to have more than one. I didn't overachieve like you, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so mine is in reference to my work bathroom. <laughs> Uh-oh. This might be TMI, but it's happening. So in the women's bathroom, at my work particularly, but also just like in the world in general. Women are filthy fucking animals. Well, yeah, that's true. But if you walk into the bathroom... And someone is sitting there and they're totally silent and not making a noise and not doing anything. Oh, they're totally pooping and waiting for you to leave. <laughs> exactly. So then as your role as the person who just walked into that bathroom, you now have to like, your main goal in life is like, okay, I'm going to piss. I'm going to get the fuck out of here so this person can shit their brains out. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. all right, I know what's happening here. Yeah. And, and or the, make as much noise as possible. Yeah. Like, so that they're like. The fucking hand dryer. Flush yeah. Flush your toilet a lot. Yep. Washing my hands. Yeah. La, 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 la. Washing yeah. my hands. Do what you got to do. Turn and on the faucet when you walk in and then go into the stall. <laughs> <laughs> Just let it happen. Yeah. And if you're the pooper, then your main goal in life, the moment you hear somebody come in, is to sit totally still pretend you're not there even though the other person can see like your shoes and at work try not to breathe yes (laughs) you're at work and so you know that person sees your shoes and it's like oh Mm -hmm. stacy's in the stall taking a poop Mm -hmm. (laughs) everybody knows what's happening but shoes you just don't address it and you just sit very quietly and you wait for them to leave and if you have to poop while they're in there then you push the flush button to make it all go away and everything's great and happy hunky dory right yep well this week i walk into the bathroom and i find myself to be the intruder in this scenario (laughs) Uh (laughs) where somebody has staked their claim and they are in like the big handicap stall towards the end so they're gonna they've settled in (laughs) yeah yeah they're they're there for the day (laughs) yeah they made a decision when they walked in there and when i first came in the person was like really quiet and they're so far down i'm not doing the shoe check i don't really give a shit what's going on in there i just gotta piss and i gotta get out also i don't care if karen has to poop yeah no one gives a fuck (laughs) and it's just like this unspoken code like everybody knows who was pooping yeah but you just don't say anything because we all poop everybody poops so i go in and i'm peeing and midstream i hear a fucking full-on goddamn episode of the ellen show start to play in the bathroom (laughs) what Like, that person who set up camp was also like, I brought my phone and I'm watching TV, daytime television, right now. (laughs) And so... What? It was like... Did she think that you left? No, no, no. There was no mistaking that. I was peeing. I used a lot of toilet paper, so it's like... (laughs) You know, like, there's no mistaking. Somebody else is in that goddamn bathroom. Full episode. Ellen Show. Oh my god! Going after it, right? Like at least bring headphones if you're if that's what you're about, you know? Right? Like not even some earbuds. This was your plan. What <laughs> the fuck? And so I kind of like took my time because I was like, is this just a clip or is this like the full episode? It yeah. was the full episode. It wasn't just like, and here's Johnny, and then like they start the interview. It's like she comes out, she's dancing, there's music, she's high fiving, she starts a little bit. I'm like, this is a goddamn full episode. Oh my god! And so I leave the bathroom, and I'm kind of pissed. I'm like, goddamn, man, like that is so rude. Anytime somebody plays their fucking phone out loud, it annoys me instantly because oh, yeah. I'm I like, hate it. yeah, I'm not here to hear your shit, right? Yeah, I don't care about your music choices. Fucking Get the fuck Darren. away. Are you playing Candy Crush? That's fucking cute. Like, goddamn, five years ago, turn, turn the, the shit goddamn down. sound off. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to hear that shit. Yeah. flashbacks of like hours on the couch on a saturday playing candy crush <laughs> right <laughs> anyway brandon, wait brandon will fucking have his like noise canceling headphones on be looking at his computer screen like i'm playing my video games and then play mu- or videos on his phone full volume while i'm trying to watch tv or whatever like, oh my god that is so rude people are being murdered right now and you're just playing this goddamn video <laughs> you're polluting Kevin the goat or whatever like do you need the sound you have noise canceling headphones on jesus christ with are- something else playing like turn the sound off oh you're just man fucking i'd watch murder it. i'd murder yeah. so at first i was super fucking annoyed and by the time i got back to my office i was like you know what girl you get it goddamn that's what you want to <laughs> listen to you're like i'm taking a shit i don't give a fuck who knows i know the protocol is that i i'm to be quiet and sit here like i don't exist but fuck you i'm watching ellen <laughs> yeah i guess she had a she had a plan maybe she wasn't actually pooping maybe she was just like i'm on break i'm gonna watch <laughs> ellen in the bathroom yeah what a terrible place to do that maybe at. she doesn't have a car 
Maybe, but I mean. And she just wanted to escape her office mate. <sighs> I don't, I'm not buying it. She was totally taking a shit. Yeah. I mean, two birds, you know? She was like, yeah, she was like <laughs> waiting for the next wave to come. Oh. You know, oh, when you're like, I'm not yeah. done here, but nothing's happening. There's no point in wasting toilet paper. I'm going to wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Gross. Well, Stacey, whose yes, turn Aaron? is it to go first? I think it's my turn to go first. All right. Do you? Yes. I okay. concur. Lay it on me. So my case today is especially intriguing to me because my cousin, who is a true crime fan as well, mm-hmm. Emily, she listens to podcasts religiously, and she had suggested when she heard I was doing this, she was helping me like come up with some cases to do, some like really? lesser-known cases. Did yeah. she listen? I think so. Nice. But anyway, so she gave me like this long list of shit that happened in Pueblo, Colorado, which is where she's from, Ooh. or where she lived for a while. And on the list is the case that I'm going to share with you today. What's really interesting about it is everything that I would like Google on it, I couldn't find much of. It was just like the initial, you know, reports like, oh, this crazy thing happened. Yeah. And then here's what happened to the person who did this crazy thing. So I actually had to read a book for this one. What? Like I read a full book and I made a goddamn book report. (laughs) I'm ready. So I got the deets and I know they're right. When did you find the time to read a goddamn book? At nighttime because I love reading. And even though I became a mom and stopped reading, you know, as soon as you pick up a book, you suddenly make time for it. Yeah. That's what happened. Well, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. So this happens in Pueblo, Colorado. At St. Leander's Catholic Church and Rectory. Rectory? Rectory. All right. Which I had to look this up. I didn't. I don't come from a super religious background, so I didn't know that that's where, like, the priest lives. Or could oh. live. And it's usually on, like, the church property. Yeah. August 7th in the early morning slash afternoon time frame, Father Sheets, who was one of two of the priests who worked at the church? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Practiced yeah. at the church? What do they do? Um, preached. Okay. He was working at the church's office this particular August day, and he was working on the computer and putting in the numbers for the proceeds that he just received from some event the church had just had. Mm -hmm. And I guess he had spoken to two of his fellow co-workers that were in the office as well, talking about how excited he was to, like, put these figures in. Like, this was his goal for the day. Yeah. Side note, what year did this happen? This happened in 1996. Okay. It should be noted that Father Sheets was, like, 70-ish. So Mm -hmm. noon rolls around and the two workers are like, I'm going on break. They use the church's um, answering service to clock out. I don't know what that means. If it's like a recording that says, Stacy's on break at noon. Oh, I'll bet that's what it is. Or they like set up a voicemail like, they'll return in 30 minutes or whatever it is. Oh, maybe. Okay, so both of the women return at one. So they took an hour lunch break and Father Sheets was no longer in the office, but the computer was left on. So they had just assumed that he had gone home for a nap. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like, that's normal for a 70-year-old person. <laughs> Dude, I need to be a fucking priest. Yeah, right? <laughs> this sounds legit. Okay. Also, another thing, I mean, he could have been like taking lunch. It was lunchtime. All right. Yeah. Everybody's got to eat. Exactly. So Father Sheets actually never ends up returning to the office that day. And the two coworkers, they decide to go home at the end of the day and they clock out using that answering service again. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. When they call, they notice that the line is busy, so they can't call out. And I guess there oh. was only one phone line for the church and for the rectory. Uh-huh. So somebody is using the line at 3 o'clock. The church and the rectory? Yeah. That's weird. But I right. know, isn't it? But I guess it isn't that weird because, like, you know, like, if you had a phone in your room, it would be the same line as the phone in the kitchen. All right. So they couldn't clock out. Do they have to, like, go find the phone then? No, they just left. I was just like, ah, I'll write it on the yeah. time card next time. I'll remember. I'm honest. Yeah. Earlier in the day, both of the coworkers also saw the second priest who worked at the church mm-hmm. um, alongside Father Sheets. His name is Father Stovic. And they saw him come in and pick up the mail, but they never saw him again for the rest of the day. Okay. So bo- both Father Stovic and Father Sheets lived in the rectory together. Like it had a couple rooms or whatever, and they co cohabited there mm-hmm. and father stovic was younger than father sheets and was like a different kind of priest in that like father sheets was super traditional okay and father stovic was less so like i guess he w- used to wear like leather jackets and biker boots and he would walk around and talk to anyone in the community All right. he was very giving he would like pull chunks of money out of his pocket and give it to a homeless person no problem some people actually 
kind of faulted him for being so giving because they thought that he was attracting the wrong kind of people to the church. I thought you couldn't attract the wrong type of people to churches. Aren't those the people that you should be trying to, like, help save? Yeah. At 6.15, a retired priest and friend of Father Sheets comes over to the rectory because he noticed that Father Sheets had missed a dinner engagement they had for that day. Mm -hmm. He didn't show up, and it was really unlike him. It was for, like, charity or something, like a a Ronald McDonald House charity or something like that. Yeah. So it was a pretty big event, and he missed it, and he thought, that's odd, so I'll go check on him. So he goes to the rectory, and he was not prepared for what he was about to find. What did he find? In separate rooms of the rectory, he found the bloody bodies of both Father Sheets (gasps) and Father Stovic. Both? He immediately dials 911 and explains he found the two bodies and lots of blood all throughout the rectory. Yes, both. Isn't that sad? Yeah. So the dispatcher hears that Father Powers is all worked up and like, you know, he's kind of like hysterical on the phone call. And so he tells him, you need to step outside and wait for the deputies to arrive. So he does that and he goes outside. The officers arrive and Father Powers explains to the officers exactly what he told the 911 dispatcher and he also further explains that he found one of the bodies face down and one of the bodies on its side and he admitted that he had turned over one of the bodies that had less blood around it to see if the priest was still living yeah because the one that had blood everywhere was like obvious that he was dead oh that's so sad yeah so he like rolled him over and when he rolled him over he noticed that the priest had been hit in the forehead with like a blunt object oh <gasps> Yeah. Yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. So the officers immediately tape off the the rectory and the church, and they start processing the crime scene. The three lead detectives began walking through the rectory so that they can, like, figure out what took place here. And they noted that on the dining room table, there was a plate with an untouched sandwich and potato chips and a drink containing purple liquid. Fucking bomb-ass lunch. (laughs) It does sound like a really good lunch. I don't know what kind of sandwich it was. And I'm sure the purple drink was, like, grape Kool-Aid. I was totally thinking grape Kool-Aid. That's the best kind, too. Like, 97, that was the year for Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. 90s was, like, the decade for Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they have color-changing Kool-Aid, where it would be green in the package, and then it turned red when it got wet? Yeah. That was my fucking dream. Which, for no reason... Yeah, yeah, like, unless you're making it, like, the two seconds of pleasure. But if mom made it, like... Yeah. I have a Kool-Aid mug that I, every time I'd go to my grandpa's house, I'd drink out of, and it was, like, a white Kool-Aid mug, and it's the shape of the Kool-Aid man. Ooh. And then, uh, like, you know, the, oh, yeah, pitcher guy? Yeah. And then when it got (laughs) cold, it would change colors. Would it go red? I think it was red. I don't really remember. It was, like, broken by the time I ever got it, you know, where it just stayed white. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, this is my cool mug. Do you just have, like, a white picture of the Kool-Aid man? (laughs) I still have it. I know what it means, and it's special to me. (laughs) It sounds special. I would want it. If I saw that at the thrift store now, I would get it. I would, too, man. Shit's legit. But you ain't going to see it because it's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, obviously, this meal had been laid out for lunch, right? Mm -hmm. So, behind the table lay... Wait. Any bites taken? Nothing? No. It was... Everything was untouched. Pristine. Like, he was in the middle of making lunch when this shit went down. Was it on the table? Yeah. Like, he was about to sit down and eat it. It was on the dining room table. Oh, and then someone knocked, I'm assuming. I'm assuming as well. So... Set down my Kool-Aid. Yeah. I don't want to spill this. (laughs) Don't want anyone to see that I'm an older gentleman drinking Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to keep that heart pumping. <laughs> Go on. So behind the table lay Father Sheets, and he was face down in black jeans and a shirt and athletic shoes. So it was Father Sheets, uh-huh. the older father, who was making lunch. So he did come home to have lunch. Mm-hmm. His injuries could be seen on the back of his neck, and he had puncture wounds in his back. Oh, It's interesting to note that his wallet was halfway out of his right pocket, so it wasn't a robbery. Okay. Like, literally, somebody just busted in and murdered this guy. That's sad. The detectives continue into the hallway, and they see that there's blood smeared all over the walls. Mm. There was a phone stand in the hallway, and it was off the hook and smeared with blood. And that's the reason that the two office workers couldn't dial out at 3 p.m. Yeah. And they clocked out, because this phone was knocked off the hook. So sometime between 1 and 3. This happened. Or Um, noon and 3. Yeah, exactly. In the kitchen, they found diluted blood drops in and around the sink. Like somebody had been cleaning up a bloody weapon or b- their bloody selves or something. Like, yeah. you know, they got some blood wet. <laughs> <laughs> At the sink. <laughs> 
Okay, so as the detectives were leaving the kitchen, they enter into a hallway and they find a bloody footprint and smears of blood on the walls, like more blood. There's just basically fucking blood everywhere. And there was puddles of blood in the carpet. Off this hallway, there is an office. And on the floor of the office, they find Father Stovic, the younger one with the biker jacket guy. He's lying on his right side and his clothes are soaked with blood. Ugh. Next to the priest's head was a tiny wooden cross with a small hole in the top of it. But basically, blood fucking everywhere. So they search the house and look everywhere and there's no other victims and they don't find anyone hiding or anything. So they like come back outside and they're processing the scene and like they call in the blood drop specialist people to come pull prints and yeah, do all this shit. Yeah. They called Dexter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They called Dexter. So Dexter comes. <laughs> While they're waiting for Dexter, <laughs> the detectives notice that there's drops of blood on the front porch of the rectory, and the blood goes down the porch and then west onto a sidewalk. Okay. So this guy's just taken off on foot? This guy's just taken off on foot. Or this gal. We don't know. This little trail of blood, along with the little cleanup sesh in the kitchen, leads detectives to believe that the suspect was injured. And so he's like trying to clean himself up and then drip blood everywhere as he escaped. So what the detectives do is they call the hospitals and they ask if anyone had come in to treat a stab wound or a slice wound, particularly on a hand and even more specifically on their right hand, because they had found a blood print or a smear somewhere on the scene that looked like it had been made by the killer's right hand. Whoa. I don't know how the fuck they determined that. Yeah, I was going to say, how did they know it was the killer versus, like, Stovic? Maybe because they saw that they didn't have any wounds on their hands. Oh, okay. And it was, like, a handprint? Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Even if he had just, like, touched the blood and then put it on the wall, like, if their hands aren't covered in blood, then the killers might be. Yeah, perhaps. Whatever, however they determine this, They call the hospitals and they're like, hey, has anybody been treated for this? And they don't find anything. Mm -hmm. But then the following morning, the detectives receive a call that a nurse had a patient in her office at that very moment who was being treated for lacerations on his hands. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And his name was Douglas Comiskey. Doug. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) okay all we need is a mic um so douglas arrived at the hospital at 8 45 a.m with his mom for treatment on his right hand where his mom comes in and claims he needs to be quote unquote stitched up immediately his mom yeah his mom okay and how old is doug he's 19 (gasps) what an asshole yeah. Well, maybe not. I don't know. You don't know. Let's see. Yeah. Let's un- uncover this little cookie. Mm-hmm. Is this some satanic bullshit going on? No. <laughs> okay, so Douglas's hand was wrapped in a Kleenex and had dried blood on it, and the cut was deep across his ring and pinky fingers. Okay. And so the nurse is like, oh, shit. Like, how the hell did you get this? And he goes, I don't know. And oh, so she, you just don't know how you got that? Yeah. And so you she don't was know like, how you cut your fucking hand so you right? need stitches? Yeah. Fucking liar. What the hell? What are you on drugs? Get out of here. Get <laughs> Let me see your pupils. Yet, hippie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So then she's like, asks him again, like, okay, but really what happened? And he was like, oh, I slammed my hand in the door. And she's like, what kind of door did you slam your, slam your hand in? And he says, a car door. And she goes, well, when did this happen? And he said, it happened yesterday. And she's mm. like, why the fuck would you wait so long? And also, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, why the fuck would you wait so long? And also, you're a liar. Yeah, wait here for a minute. I'm going to get the doctor. And then she goes and calls the detectives. Ooh. Or maybe not. She didn't have like a direct line to the detectives. <laughs> she calls the cops. And I guess the reason it tipped her off to call was because she had heard about it in the news. Because it like blew up overnight. Yeah. Everybody was talking about the murder of these two priests. And she knew that they were looking for somebody with an injury on their hand. Yeah. She saw this and then his reaction was odd. So she was like, "Mm, I'm going to call them just in case. Smart lady. Yes. Thank goodness for her, right? Yeah. And also, I feel like, why didn't the mom suspect something? Like, why wouldn't you ask, like, how the fuck did this happen? And then when your kid says a car door, you'd be like, no. But she didn't even ask that because he wasn't prepared to answer that question. Maybe she was okay with, like, I don't know, as an answer, you know? Maybe she was just like, oh, fuck, let's go. Yeah. This kid always getting into trouble. So the detectives arrive at the hospital where Douglas is being treated, and they separate him and his mom to start interviewing them informally. Uh Uh-huh. 
But, you know, they're like, what's going on here? So they bring his mom into a private room and they ask her about her son's injury. And she says that he says he slams it in the car door. And she gets kind of agitated when they keep asking her, like, like, how did this happen? What's going on? And then they eventually ask her, where does she live? And that's when she gets, like, really irritated. Spoiler alert, she lives right across the fucking street from the rectory. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So then, without prompting or anything, after she answers where she lives, she starts explaining that in November of 95, so the year prior, her son was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And that he's been hallucinating and hearing voices and all this crazy shit. She just, like, dives into his medical history okay. without them ever asking. Was she just building a defense for his trial? Oh, oh, maybe. I'm sure, you know? Like, yeah. like she's starting to put the pieces together and she's getting defensive herself. Like, yeah. And Ugh. she has to know they're looking for somebody with a wound on their hand. She has to know that they're, like, looking suspicious at this point. Oh, like. for fucking sure. And if you don't know that detectives are suspicious if they're interviewing you, <laughs> then you need a better brain. <laughs> so they ask her about her son's whereabouts the day before, like, when all yeah. the shit went down. She says that he took her to work in her van, and he had to use his van to go to a doctor's appointment at 10 o'clock that morning. And that his doctor's appointment was from 10 to noon. And I guess it was like asthma treatment. Like he would go and get breathing treatments. Uh And then he had to come pick her up at work at 2 o'clock so that she could drive him back home. So she could go back to work in her car and eventually come home. So basically this isn't like a normal thing that they do. But it's like he had an appointment that day and he needed the car. Yeah. Fucking logistical nightmare. (laughs) Right. So he picks her up from work at 2.04 is when she clocks out. Mm Mm-hmm. And she drops him off at home, and she goes back to work. And, and she wasn't like, hey, how'd you get this giant cut on your hand? Well, she noticed at 2 o'clock that he had the bandage on his hand. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say if she asked her anything, but I'm assuming, based off of him not having an answer available for the nurse by saying, I don't know, that makes me think that she never asked. Yeah. I don't know that for sure. Yeah. But the mom did know that he said that he got his hand stuck in a car door. But also, she could have just learned that in the room with, with the, the nurse. nurse. Yeah. Well, I feel like if you have a a shithead kid, maybe, that's, like, always getting into trouble or always hurting themselves and stuff, and then they, like, constantly answer you with lies or I don't know, there's got to be a point where you just kind of accept, like, whatever. Like, well, also, okay, let's just go get stitches. Yeah, he's, like, paranoid schizophrenic, so I'm sure dealing with that isn't a piece of cake. That too. So she might just be like, what the fuck happened? Let's go take care of this. Yeah. So the detectives then start interviewing Douglas, and they ask him if he knew anything about the murder since he lived so close, and he said no. He does say that he saw Father Sheets that day that they died, and that he saw him at 1230 when the priest had heard his confession for about, like, 10 to 15 minutes. Oh. So the detectives ask if he saw Father Stovic in the rectory, too, when he was having his confession heard, and he said yes. Okay, so he's placing himself at the scene of the crime. Yeah, at he's the not, time of the crime. He's not a very good sneaky murderer. Yeah. So the detectives talk to the doctor who treated Douglas, and the doctor is like, there's no fucking way that was from a car door slamming on your hand. That was caused by a sharp instrument like a knife. Yeah. But they got, like, the medical sign-off. This guy's fucking lying. Yeah. So during the interview, the mom starts freaking the fuck out in the waiting room and just starts, like, running towards the room that they're talking to him in. And she's yelling, like, no, 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 no. Tell me you didn't do it. Tell me you didn't do it. Like, just started freaking the fuck out. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the detectives take both Douglas and the mom to the station to, like, continue being interviewed. Because they're like... All of this is pretty fucking fishy. Yeah. So Douglas's mom at the station explains that he'd been acting really strange lately. Like he'd been closing up the house. He hadn't had any friends over. He started lighting religious candles and lining up holy cards and wearing the rosary a lot. Like he had just like suddenly become super religious, which I guess was a little out of character. Mm -hmm. Even though they attended the church regularly and they were active members of the church. It's like he just went fucking crazy and took it a little too far. Yeah. And that the night of the murders, he was talking a bunch without making any sense. And he had like this scared expression on his face. And she was afraid of him because in the past he had threatened to kill her. Oh, God. So she's like living with this guy and living in fear because he's like fucking schizophrenic. And I guess he's like crazy schizophrenic. Yeah. And that's her son. Yeah. Anyway, so the detectives ask to search their home. And his mom agrees that they can search the house, but they cannot search his room without his permission. Okay. And so they're like, sweet, let us in. 
In the meantime, they're also taking hair and blood samples from Douglas, and they take pictures of his hands. And his right hand had five stitches in the ring finger and one in the pinky. And also, his left hand had a bite mark in the middle finger. But he, they process all this. They start taking a shit and taking pictures and all this stuff. Yeah. While they're doing that, they notice that he has blood on his tennis shoes. The dude is, oh like, wearing God. his murder outfit. <laughs> well, listen. What if he only had one pair? Were they white? It was the 90s, probably. Yeah, for sure. They were, like, Nikes or some shit. Sketchers. When they're searching Douglas's home, they find blood leading to the laundry room where they find a dark shirt and jeans that look to be washed, and they were still in the washer, and there were blood drops all over the place and some of them were smeared like it looked like they had been cleaned up or tried to be cleaned up and there was blood drops in the kitchen and in the living room the mom doesn't live here too and fucking notice this right maybe they're like little blood drops but still no i can't even imagine little blood drops and there was blood notice though i'd be like too who spilled the fucking blood <laughs> brown shit in this trail going to our laundry well, it room hadn't even been 24 hours so it wasn't even that brown i'm sure it was probably still bright red yeah and it was like on the couch and stuff and there was a bunch of it at the front door like he had been standing at the front door for a while and dripping blood everywhere god that's terrifying so they also investigate the van like they look in the van that he was in and there's blood all over the van and all over the keys and everything. So this guy had been in the van and in the house and had been bleeding a lot with this wound. Uh-huh. So they search the roof of the house and they find a knife which had been tossed in an attempt to hide, obviously. Onto the roof? Yeah, like he threw it up on the roof to try to hide it. It's a weird place to search. Right? Well, I know. And you actually, it's a I good didn't... place to hide a knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't state this earlier, but they also searched that, like, before they figured out that douglas was like a suspect or anything and looked at his house they searched the roof of the rectory so they already knew to like look for something maybe these are like short houses i'm pretty sure this is probably just a common thing like it's like known to detectives like yeah search the roof people throw shit up there all the time well remember the one guy threw his clothes into the branches yeah (laughs) like people think like oh you won't look up (laughs) yeah no one ever looks up which is true for me yeah me too but we're not detectives that's true these guys were and they were like let's search the roof and they find a knife and it was seven and a half inches long with a with a chrome blade and a plastic handle. So it was like your typical, like... Kitchen knife. Yeah, kitchen knife. So, obviously, the detectives get a warrant to search his room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, fuck you, Douglas. We don't need your permission. Yeah, we're going in. And they find, like, bloody socks and a bloody towel and all kinds of blood in there. And they also find a small eyelet screw on okay. his bed, which had been pulled out of the cross found at the crime scene. And the lanyard that goes with the cross was also in his room. Okay. And I guess these crosses were given out at a church event or like many members of the church had these crosses given to them. Mm-hmm. So it's likely that he was wearing it and perhaps like the screw fell out in his bed in his sleep or something. And mm-hmm. then when he went and did the murder in, the cross fell off and he still had his lanyard and the screw, but the cross is at the crime scene. That's unfortunate events for this guy. Well, Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, as a priest, could you imagine being murdered by a guy wearing, like, a lanyard crucifix? No, that you knew? Like, he was a member of the church. That's scary. Yeah, that would be fucking terrifying. Douglas's grandma also lived with him in the house, and she claims that he had been acting strange the days leading up to the murders. She found him laying in his bed with a knife in his hand, and when she questioned him, he just said, Don't worry, Grandma. I'll put it back. And... That's it. That's all that happens. No one was like, mm, I think that we should get you some mental help. Like, wh- I don't are you to- taking your medicines? Like, I have so many questions. Please don't put that knife back. <laughs> yeah. Let's hide all the his- knives. Yeah, that too. But like, did they check his butcher block afterward? Uh, or the butcher block and just find one bloody ass fucking knife? I read. Because he put it back? I, he's, oh, no, wait, they, it, was it was on the, the roof. roof. Yeah, I read that there were three missing knives from the butcher block in the rectory, but they never say that this knife was from the rectory or from his house. But Ooh. I'm assuming it was his house. Interesting. I never read, you know, which was which. Or if I did, I didn't remember. And I didn't highlight it, so I didn't. Was the priest's sandwich cut? Dun, 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 dun. Because only monsters don't cut their sandwiches. For sure. So maybe he was holding. But he was old. And old people don't really cut their sandwiches. I feel like they do, though. They no, don't want to work no. on all that crust. No, no, no. <laughs> They're all about, like, my sandwich is made and I will eat it now. They're not about making it convenient, you know? They grew know, up in man. a time where they didn't have shoes. He was excited about spreadsheets. I feel like this guy had a zest for life and cut sandwiches. <laughs> Perhaps he did. <laughs> but I feel like he didn't cut it. 
Well, but maybe, maybe he was gonna. Maybe, maybe he, he had, had a it knife in his, in his hand. hand. Maybe. I like how we just figure that one out together. Yeah, detectives. Who said I wasn't a detective? You? Huh. Anyway, so yeah, dude was being creepy. Shit was going down. His whole family saw red cards. I guess hindsight, but still. Red cards. What'd I say? Red oh. cards. Red cards? <laughs> yeah. This whole family saw red cards. Oh, yeah, they saw red flags. <laughs> dude, I do that so much. It's because your husband plays soccer now. I <laughs> Right? I get so close to the right word. <laughs> True. <laughs> Enough that you could figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I know what you meant. Yep, exactly. So the autopsy comes back, and both of the priests had died from bleeding to death from the stab wounds. Surprise, surprise. Poor guys. I know. It's so sad. The detectives interview the neighbors of Douglas, and one of the neighbors claims that he was working in his yard that same day, yesterday, to them. Mm -hmm. He was working in his yard, and that Douglas stopped by and asked to borrow some gas so that he can mow the lawn. And then a few minutes later, that neighbor's wife says that she saw him. She was, like, upstairs looking out the window, and she saw Douglas in the backyard carrying a gym bag to behind a shed in his yard. And then he douses it in gas and starts it on fire. Like, he's burning evidence. He's burning oh, his clothes, his murdering she... clothes. Well, I thought they were in the wash. I thought so, too. So I don't know what was in all, all in that bag because it's ash now it burns yeah spoiler alert he caught it on fire but there were like buttons and zippers and shit but he's also schizophrenic so maybe he just grabbed a bunch of clothes too and was like i'm gonna fucking burn these yeah but the neighbor sees this fire going on and she yells at them like or yells at him to put out the fire and he's like all right and he puts it out he puts like a, a wheelbarrow over it oh to like smell out the fire yeah so, like I said, the detectives go and look, and they find they they find forty items in the burn area, mm-hmm. and in that were the buttons, the metal buttons, and the zipper, and a bunch of burned cloth. So they're suspecting clothes, maybe rags to clean up the mess. I don't know. Mm. So January seventh, a hearing is held. So this is the next year, a couple months later, right? Yeah, I'm sure they held him in prison or wherever. Hopefully, guy sounds a little bit off kilter. Yeah, like a little bit of a danger to society. Yeah. Menace, some yeah. might say. Dennis the Menace? Douglas the Menace? Douglas the Menace. Did we just find our title? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> they have the hearing for the murders, and Douglas pleads not guilty by reason of insanity. So the doctors examine him, and they deem him inarguably, incurably insane on August 7th, 1996, when he stabbed the two priests. They're like, he's not fucking faking it. No one's lying about it. This dude is fucking schizophrenic to the max. Yeah. What was it? Psychopathic schizophrenia or something like that? It's a good band name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, paranoid schizophrenia. Oh. Wow. I really jumped the gun there and fucking judged. (laughs) Anyway, so Douglas claims on the 7th, before all the murders went down, he was being treated by his doctor in the office for the asthma, Mm -hmm. and he saw a folder with the number one on it in the office. And he interpreted that as a sign that he had to kill someone by 1 p.m. that day. And he claims that he had visions of vampires and werewolves, which were telling him that he needed to kill for two years now. Like, you need to kill someone or you're going to be killed. And so that day in the office, he saw that folder and he was like, I have to kill today by 1 p.m. Jesus. He goes into the bathroom of the office and he says he sees the devil or an evil spirit in the mirror so he claims his heart began to race and that his doctor was acting funny and was just going along with what was happening to him whatever the fuck that means so he's getting paranoid now yeah like everybody knows that this is going on and that i have to kill someone and you're all just going along with it no one's helping me Mm. he knew that his victim couldn't be a woman or a baby he doesn't explain why but i guess he had some morals i mean at least he doesn't kill babies yeah there's that So after leaving the doctor's office, he drove around looking for a victim. He watched a man at a park who had two little girls with him, and he was going to kill him. But he was like, I can't do it because of the two little girls. Thank God. Yeah. So he drives to the rectory. He rings the bell, and Reverend Sheets answers the door. Douglas said that he needs to talk, like, need you to hear my confession. And immediately he just starts stabbing the priest, and that it was at... 12 35 p.m that this happened and he noted that because he had his 1 p.m deadline so he had minutes before he had to kill somebody so it was like a last second i know the priest will be there and i'll kill him jeez yep during all of this reverend stovic comes out because there's all this fucking ruckus and noise and so douglas begins attacking him and douglas looks back while he's attacking reverend stovic and sees that father sheets is reaching for the phone and so he goes back to start stabbing father sheets more so that's how the phone got, like, knocked off the hook. Oh, 
That's so sad. Yeah, and he said that he felt relief after killing them because he knew he wasn't going to be killed. And he had just saved his own life, is what he says. So... Yeah, but you took two others. Like, isn't yours right? worth... No, but he was so in this, like, altered state of mind that he really believed that he just, like, fought for his life. Isn't that fucked up? I mean, I, I, I don't get that, but I get that. But at the same time, like, can't you sacrifice yourself for the life of two other people you would think but i mean this guy has like no i know yeah it's hard right mental illness yeah that sucks so march 19th 1997 they held a hearing where douglas was sentenced to one day to life commitment in a colorado mental health institute one day to life one day to life he could get better tomorrow and be fine and be out yeah better quote unquote yep So, in October 2005, he was doing well enough that he was permitted to spend time away from the Mental Health Institute. Uh Uh-huh. And then in December of 2005, he visited his home, which was across the street from the fucking rectory where he committed all these crimes. Yeah. His schizophrenia was in full remission and under control with, like, strict medical regimen. As long as he took his medicine, then he was fine. Yeah. And, like, when the neighborhood found out that he had come to visit this house... They were like kind of pissed because they bet. all, yeah, they all agree that he was like mentally insane and like your charge of one day to life or whatever is fitting as long as you can help him. Like we understand this is terrifying, but like we don't hate him. Obviously, he didn't do this in a good state of mind, right? Like they're understanding, but they're also like, but can you tell us if he comes can you back? Give me like a week warning so I can go on vacation. A little heads up that he's going to be in town so I can lock my doors. Right. So September 2007, Douglas had successfully completed all of the mental health programs in this little organization. Uh-huh. And after 11 years and 7 months, he was released to a halfway house. What? Yep. But I think he moved somewhere else in Colorado. I have in Utah. He moved somewhere else to get out of the community. Yeah, I mean, he had to. Oh, uh, for sure. Have been like, yeah, you can have a job with for me. Sure. I'll work side by side with you. And I guess he's like allowed to be out, but he has to be like checked that he's taking his medication. So it's almost like a probation, like he can live wherever, but like literally they draw his blood and make sure that he's still taking his medication to make sure that everything's fucking yeah. kosher. Which you would think that he would, because like as a person, I don't want to murder anyone. And yeah. So hopefully like as a medicated person, he, he doesn't feels either. the same. I find it more weird that also he thought vampires and werewolves are talking to him. Like, why is this a common theme with people who do the murdering? Maybe it's just the most common monster that people think of. Yeah. Anyway. God damn. Yeah. That's a crazy one, right? Yeah. Sad one. That's really sad. All right. You ready for my story? I'm ready for it. Okay. So, my case. Uh Uh-huh. As Aaron. Yes, Aaron. Tell me about your case. (laughs) (laughs) I will. Thank you. (laughs) I chose one a little bit close to home. Ooh, okay. In Carlsbad, California. Ooh, that's way too close to home. (laughs) Yeah. So... This is about Diana Lovejoy and Weldon McDavid Jr. Wow, that's a lot of names. I know. We're going to call them Diana and Weldon. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Oh, his first name is Weldon? Yeah, isn't that weird? Oh, I kind of like it. So, in the summer of 2014. Ooh, that's recent. Yeah. Diana Lovejoy and her husband Greg Mulville split up and Diana was like, he sexually abused me. Of course. Yeah. and Although I shouldn't say that because if he really did, that's fucked up. Yeah. And she also claimed that he sexually abused her infant son. Ew. Their infant son. Oh, no, 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 no. Is yeah. this going to be one I really don't like? Nope. Okay. So they go to court for custody of the kid or whatever. And he's like, obviously, she's claiming all of these things or accusing him of all the sexual abuse and stuff. And so he gets mandated supervised visits. Uh-huh. That seems like a safe alternative. Like, yeah. We don't yeah. know for sure. We don't know if there was any truth to these allegations. So as of right now, he gets supervised visits and, the, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then there was an investigation into it and it proved all the allegations false. And so he got shared custody. Okay, cool. What a bitch. Yeah. And then in the summer of 2016, so two years later, there was a long drawn out court battle and legal battle because of all those allegations and things and the custody of their son. And they were awarded shared custody because he didn't do anything wrong wrong that she had said or whatever so they were awarded shared custody and he was actually granted $120,000 from her so she had to sell her property and it was like in escrow or whatever Uh and so she was gonna have to be making that payment well Diana 
met a man named Weldon McDavid mm-hmm. at a gun range where he worked. Where all love blossoms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like you guessed, Weldon was married, but they ended up having an affair. Oh, shit. What was she doing at a gun range? Learning how to shoot. Bum, 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 bum. God damn, this lady's crazy. This is why you don't stick your dick in crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, Weldon also installed a security system on her home for her, and she had told him all about the alleged abuse and stuff. So, he was kind of, like, obviously on her side with all of this. Yeah, he's like, we can get this bastard. Yeah, and... Side note, this is our friend Mike in, like, 20 years. Mike, if you're listening, this is you. You have a mullet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hope it's not Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's see where the story takes us. So, Diana had told Weldon about all this allegations and abuse and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, they concocted a little plan. Oh, God. Mm Mm-hmm. And Weldon told Diana to buy a burner phone. Oh, shit. This isn't a good plan already. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What year is it? Yeah. (laughs) And he called Greg on September 1st, 2016 at 11 p.m. Greg was lured to a dark trail off of Avenida Soledad, if you know where that is. At 11 p.m.? Yeah. Weldon called Greg from the burner phone and said that he had evidence of the sexual abuse against Diana. Uh Uh-huh. And said that he was going to leave it on a pole in this, like, dirt trail. What? What evidence did he have of sexual abuse? He just told him that he had this evidence and was like, I'm going to put it on this pole in this dirt path, basically to lure Greg out yeah. into the middle of nowhere yeah to go get this quote-unquote evidence okay well there was no evidence oh so weldon is the guy that called greg uh-huh his thought process behind getting him out there like luring him out to this dark path or whatever was that if that sketchy of a phone call is enough to get him into a dark path in the middle of the night then he must be guilty of something Oh, okay. Which, a little bit of a jump, but I see this man. He works at a gun range. He has a mullet in my mind. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He has surveillance cameras. He's a little out there. Yeah. He's a little paranoid. Yeah. So Greg shows up to the spot with a friend because, like, don't do that shit alone, right? For sure. And he's armed with a baseball bat and what they called a bicycle light. Oh. I don't know what that means. I, I feel like it's like one of those headlamps. Oh. <laughs> I hope so. It's not, because he was holding it. Oh. But I imagine it's like a flashlight, maybe. Yeah. I wish, I'm going to imagine it's a headlamp in my mind. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Greg was shining the light around, looking for, like, whoever placed whatever. Yeah. Or wherever anything is. He could do that with his head. <laughs> looking around. <laughs> well he shined his light on weldon who was laying in the bushes dressed in camo pointing a long-barreled gun at him what the actual fuck yeah so then weldon what if somebody's just out there walking the trail hopefully they don't see him oh my god that's fucking creepy yeah don't walk trails at night because there might be like camo dudes hiding with guns fucking terrifying right yeah you imagine just coming across that no so then weldon shoots greg (gasps) under his armpit and the shot went out his back so basically like in the chestal region yeah chestal (laughs) (laughs) they said side so i'm assuming it goes in the side like hit his chesticles (laughs) yeah right in his chesticles Uh and according to weldon he was trying to shoot out the light so it couldn't have been on his head (laughs) i mean if it were a headshot that would have been good (laughs) good excuse (laughs) was trying to shoot out the light that greg was holding because he was afraid that Greg had a gun. Oh. Fucking. Uh, really nice excuse. Was the light, like, under his armpit or something? <laughs> he was probably holding it, like, here. Oh. Uh, like, at, like, your your chest length? Yeah. Your, sorry. Here, yeah. you guys can't see. Yeah. My arm is bent. <laughs> <laughs> As if I were holding a flashlight. <laughs> As if I were holding a flashlight. <laughs> but also, you're shooting out this light because you're afraid that someone else has a gun? That's this not is, why you're doing it. This is coming from the guy with a gun? You're doing it. You're saying that because you're a terrible shot and you didn't actually shoot him where you wanted to. Well... Or maybe he wanted the armpit. He said that if his intention had been to kill Greg, he could have easily done so, as he was a good shot, and he worked at a gun store and stuff. But not good enough to hit a flashlight? He said (laughs) that it was an accuracy error. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, unquote. Yeah, because you suck. Yeah. Well, Greg didn't die, though. Yeah. Well, it didn't sound fatal. 
armpit shots don't sound fatal to you? No, there's <laughs> there's no important organs there. <laughs> They're close. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Shot my nipple clean off. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that sounds painful, though, to get shot in the fucking armpit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like being shot sounds painful. I don't care where true, it is. True, true. Very true. But, like, what would you do? You'd be like, ah, oh, my fucking armpit. <laughs> That's exactly sh- what I would do. Did you shoot me in the armpit? <laughs> and then I would clamp my hand over it like I was going to make the far- armpit fart sound. Yep. And then I'd run away. So, he did that and <laughs> escaped. <laughs> so, Greg escapes, goes to the cops, whatever. Yeah. And the police were able to get information from Greg and his phone and were able to track the call that Weldon had made. Yeah. So, okay. I don't really get this part because it was a burner phone. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure how they, how they know that that was Weldon, but. Well, a burner phone isn't that they can't track it. It's just that you throw it away after you use it. Yeah. But how do they, it's not registered to you. It's like a prepaid. Yeah. Phone that, that well, maybe they tracked it to like, okay, no one buys these fucking phones. <laughs> and this one comes from Walmart specifically. Oh, it looks like they sold one on Thursday. Yeah. I guess <laughs> Who'd they sell true. it to? Fucking Weldon. <laughs> and that could very well be how yeah. how they got it. But then Weldon was arrested a week after the shooting. He was pulled over while he was driving near his home, and they brought him in to question him. Well, so they were already looking for him. Yeah. When they pulled him over. Yeah. They were like, we got a bolo yep. for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so then they asked him for his whereabouts on September 1st between 8 p.m. and midnight. Mm-hmm. And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he said, you guys are trying to accuse me. Uh, and they were like, no, we're not, man. We're just, you know, yeah. wondering where you've been at. Yeah. And just friendly conversation. Yeah. And I guess he gave short answers. And then they were like, is there any reason that your DNA might show up at the scene of the crime mm-hmm. in the area? And he said, I don't even know where the area is. Never seen that shit before in my life. I don't yeah. even know what a trail is. You just said, never even seen that shit before in my life. Just remember that sentence. <laughs> okay. So then they show him a map of the area, and they're like, this is the area. And he was like, oh my I don't God. even know where that is. Was that, are they going to find his shit? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you chose this case. Yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) This is how I would get caught being a murderer. Me, too. (laughs) Like, I have to shit. I'm hiding. hiding. (laughs) Like, as soon as you start playing hide and seek, you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) I gotta poop. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) This podcast has a lot of poop in it today. Yeah. This episode. Um, so they brought out the map and they showed him the area and he's like, I don't know. I don't even know that place. Yeah. Y'all are crazy. Uh-huh. And they were like, all right, this isn't going anywhere. Let's just ask the nitty gritty. <laughs> so he says, <laughs> the police say, have you ever taken a dump out there in the woods? <laughs> like a shit? I'm being serious right now. <laughs> That's all a quote. <laughs> Oh my god, if I'm ever on trial for murder, <laughs> I hope somebody asked me that in those words. <laughs> you ever taking a dump in the woods? <laughs> he said, like, a shit. <laughs> and so Weldon is like, I know what you're talking about now. That's what he says. Like, oh, oh, oh I know. Oh, that DNA. <laughs> now I know what you're talking about. That DNA. Yeah. So they're like, you do? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, why don't you go ahead and explain that to us? And he said, I was on a dirt road, just running along. Then I did have to shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, that explains it. Yeah. That's a quote. <laughs> that, expi- that explains it. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> oh, mystery solved. <laughs> and so they're like, where'd you start your run from? And he said, I'm not even sure because I parked my Jeep and, and kind of trails off. And they're like, you're saying September 1st, you went for a run, like in this exact fucking area that you didn't, you just said said you'd never never seen seen before. before. Yeah. Yeah. That part was all implied. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm improvising what they wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. We're all thinking it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, that's where, yeah, because I did take a shit there. I was feeling really bad and I, it was a short run because I got lost after I shit, I went back to my Jeep. <laughs> I'm not sure what street it was on. 
Listen, we've all been out and about and got the sweaty poos where you just don't feel good and it needs to come out immediately. But if that happens when you're planning a murdering spree, you call it a fucking night. Listen, from here to Arizona, my (laughs) shit is scattered along the highway. Like if anyone finds a body out there, they're going to be like, come questioning me. (laughs) You have shat on the side of the road so many road trips. (laughs) I just, Your DNA is everywhere. I know. Every possible crime scene. Yeah. And I'm always like, like, date that shit. Carbon, date that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's petrified poop. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine being the detective that comes across that pile of shit? Like, what like, he bag thinking? it up. That's a big-ass dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Carl size shit. Oh, my God. Because like, you know it doesn't, like, perfectly pile. It's well, a turd. It's a log. Sometimes they do. So... <laughs> I guess it's true. We don't know the consistency of this yeah. shit. Also, if he was nervous or anything, like the nervous poos are different. Yeah, those are different. So they're like a special kind of different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those could I I think those could do a nice little soft serve for, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you are like the lowest man on the totem pole if you have to bag that up for evidence. Oh yeah, like who was walking by and was like, "Is that shit? <laughs> Should we look at that?" Is that our perp shit? <laughs> I feel like also there would be like perfect footprints for like the crouch position that you could take. Like, <laughs> let me see your shoes. <laughs> so the police try to get him to point out where his Jeep was parked, but he was unsure of the street names. And the police actually believe him because they believe that Diana had driven him to the spot and oh. like been an accomplice in this whole thing. Diana's aunt also testifies that a year prior to the shooting, Diana had asked her if she knew anyone who would scare or kill Greg. Shit. Yeah. Oh my God. Why yeah. is she so crazy? Well, <laughs> bitches be cray. Bitches be cray. On October 2017, Weldon went on trial for attempted murder and received 50 years in prison. And Diana oh, received 26 years to life. Damn. She chose not to testify in her trial, but also, like, I think she regretted that afterward because she said that she believed she had no voice. And the judge was like, you said you had no voice. That's your choice. Oh, that rhymed. Nah. But also, how did they know that she was driving? Obviously, his motive would be her. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Like, 26 years seems like a lot for someone who might not have been involved. But now that I but think about it. she was totally involved. She was for sure involved. Yeah. She was the one that was telling him all about the alleged abuse and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And plus, like, top onto, like, this nasty divorce. Yeah. They all have, like, access to that. Exactly. Seeing, like, she's crazy and, like, alleging all this nutso shit. Also, she fainted after the verdict on her like for real or did she fake it yeah it was real i watched it really yeah she like head slammed down into the table and then they like leaned her back and her eyes were all open and she was just like staring at nothing and not blinking and like not moving and her head was all lolling and stuff and why did she faint got her to the ground because she just got 26 years to life shit in prison seems like a weird reaction but i guess i've never gotten that and had to weigh the reality of it (laughs) yeah i mean i could see it like stress mixed with like yeah like I don't know the reality fucking hitting you that yeah. you've just thrown your entire life away god that's crazy so the police believe that the motive was that the $120,000 payment that Greg was owed from Diana oh yeah she didn't want to pay it out yeah and it was due in three weeks oh shit so from she's like that. we gotta do something now yeah so she's like well we're gonna figure this shit out dude lucky Greg for not dying my Seriously. god yeah he literally no nope he didn't dodge a bullet <laughs> <laughs> yep yep <laughs> Yep. You picked up what I was putting down there. (laughs) Yeah. Diana said in regards to the trial, she said that she hopes, quote, the higher reality of what we intended to do comes out, and I believe it will someday. What does that mean? Who fucking knows? What is your higher reality? Uh, You're a dick? She she all figured it out. She didn't specify what the higher reality was, but also... What did you intend to do? Yeah. What do you mean, the higher reality of what we intended to yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, No. Well, you intended to kill him. We're, we're all on board with that. We get it. And you're an asshole. Yeah. We're, we're there. We figured it out. What do you mean, the higher reality? Yeah. Like, she's just fucking insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is you're an asshole. Yeah, essentially. What do you think in her mind? Okay, put yourself in this lady's shoes. Do you think she really thought that he was, like, sexually abusing this kid? Or do you think it was extortion? And she knew it was extortion. Well, the first time that she claimed the sexual abuse, the kid would have been under a year old. How the fuck would you know that? Unless you walked in on it. Yeah, I don't know. And then if you're producing fake evidence on it, that's weird. That's real weird. So I think it was extortion. 
yeah, I think it was extortion, or I think it was a mom not wanting to lose her kid or have to share custody of her kid, or maybe a lady just trying to be vindictive and not let a dad be a part of the life. Be a part of its life. Moms are fucking crazy when it comes to that. Yeah. Because exactly. I feel like in my world, I'd be that same way. I wouldn't do that, obviously, but I wouldn't want to lose. I wouldn't want to share custody of my kid just because, like, I want my kid. But also, you can't do that to your kid. Yeah. Or your ex. Like, they deserve each other. Like, they helped yeah. make this kid. They deserve that relationship yeah. just as much as you and your kid do. But as a mom, you're like, I fucking literally made you. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. are mine. <laughs> yeah. But that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> no. No. You don't get to do that. You can't punish your kid just because the relationship didn't work out between you no, and No, because daddy. you guys are fucktards and couldn't figure it out. No. Yeah. You don't do that. Yeah. I guess you're not fucktard. Sometimes that just doesn't work out. But Sometimes in this scenario, yeah. she sounds like a fucktard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. She sounds like a crazy person. So. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But that was uh, that was pretty much it. And I was just real intrigued by the whole That's crazy. Scenario. Oh, my God. That's my favorite. This might be one of my favorites because of the poop story. <laughs> yeah. So, actually, no one dies in my story. I like that. Yeah. Well, listen, this, this isn't supposed to be all about murder. No. Oh, I wonder Weldon's wife. Oh, yeah. Because he was, was married. <gasps> yeah. So she obviously found out. Yeah, that that her husband had been unfaithful. Yeah, and what was happening that night that he was, like, out on the trails? Was she like, okay, bye, go drink with your friends or something? Uh, maybe. I don't know. In your camo with your gun? Yeah. And then the um, Greg, like, he just stayed and listened to Diana's trial or whatever and then left immediately after. It was like, all right, I'm done here. Bye. Peace out, lady. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That poor kid. Yeah. Wonder when he's gonna find that shit out. I don't know, man. Like your mom shot me in the armpit. Well, her boyfriend shot me in the armpit. Yeah, her sometimes boyfriend. Yeah. Why? Because she didn't want to pay me a lot of money for you. Yeah. Because hmm. she wanted to keep you. <laughs> You're welcome, herself. son. Creepy. Saved well, goddamn. I said, goddamn. Love it. Right. What do we have to say? Well, first of all, we need to take care of business because we did not shout out Tiffany's goddamn <gasps> last week. We, we did forgot it. I felt so bad. Yeah, you guys send us your goddamns to isgdpodcast at gmail.com and we will play them. And we have one here from Tiffany. All right, Fine. Tiff, let's hear it. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That makes me miss her. She's our friend. <laughs> yeah, she is. We're still getting pity, goddamns. Yeah, so send us yours. Yeah, we'd love to hear them. Hey, Norway, we know you're still listening. Yeah. Where, where the fuck's our goddamn? Come on, dude or lady. Yeah. <gasps> we got a P.O. box, and I check it all the time. I'm looking for junk mail. I'm looking for anything. Yeah, you guys snail mail us. We would fucking love that. I would. I'm going to scream in the in the post office, and then they're going to be like, <laughs> ma'am? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Is it a bomb? <laughs> and you'll be like, no, it's a letter. <laughs> yeah, it's our first letter. It is P.O. Box 2764, Spring Valley, California, 91979. And you can find that on our website also at isgdpodcast.com. Also, if you're not a fan of snail mail, which I feel like everybody should write a letter longhand every once in a while. But if you're not a fan of that, you can talk to us on Twitter at isgdpodcast or on Facebook. And we will totally respond because we want to. So Yeah, we want to talk to you guys. Leave us a review on iTunes and screenshot it and send it to us and we will mail you some stickers and even if you don't do all that jazz and you just leave a review for sure we're going to talk about it on this podcast (laughs) that is very true speaking of awesome people who have left us itunes review i wanted to shout out to glenn think stuff podcast He's been really awesome and, like, active on Twitter. and He's really funny, too. He is really <laughs> funny. So you guys go check out his podcast. He left us a really, really, really nice review, too. So thanks, Glenn. We love you. Thanks, Glenn. Keep thinking that weird shit. <laughs> Another quick shout-out to Ellie France 123 who left us a very nice review as well. You guys are fucking awesome. Keep it up. And we appreciate them. And we read them and we squeal about them and we reread them and we re-squeal about them. And we screenshot them and send them to each other, usually about the same time. They literally mean the world to us. So please, go leave some reviews. They make our day. Yes. Okay, and now the moment everybody has been waiting for. It's time to draw the winner for the creepy crate. All right, let's pull the names. Moment of fucking truth. Dun, 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 dun. That's my drum roll and Carl didn't like it. I was going to say, can I get a drum roll?
You got it. All right, all right. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. What's it gonna be? The suspense. It is gonna be Casey Haley. <gasps> yeah! Dude, that's fucking awesome. She's gonna be so stoked. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, she is. Hank got super excited that I was yelling. (laughs) Casey, I literally threw my arms up in the air and did a silent scream because I didn't want to wake up Aaron's baby. (laughs) And then my dog ran over and nearly... Knocked my whole mic set over. Nearly turned off the entire podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's how fucking excited we are. Yay! Congratulations, girl! Okay, Casey, we're going to reach out to you and get your information so that we can get you that creepy crate. Whoop! Congratulations! Hope you love it because they're awesome. Yeah. They're super awesome. Bye. Later, losers. (laughs) And if you're all caught up on our podcast, stick around for this promo from one of our favorites. Hello, friends. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Have you ever wondered if Jenny's head really did fall off when they removed the green ribbon? Or if aliens are hiding in the tales of comets waiting to take us away? Or if there's any scientific basis to the Ouija board? Well, then don't risk your search history and join us each Thursday as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. For links to where you can stream episodes and see blog posts on the subjects we cover, head over to our website, theladiesofstrange.com. Keep it strange, lovely.